Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Ryan. It's my privilege to get to host today one of the pastors here at Journey. Pastor Christian, this is episode 150. It's hard to believe. Yes. Yes, it is. Thank you, Pastor Brandon, who helped start this podcast, uh, who I'm sure uh, tunes in just to see how, how it's going and whether or not I'm ruining the thing. So, no. uh, so Pastor Brandon, thanks for helping us get this going. But episode 150, um, we, we started a new series this Sunday called Made for This. Uh, we looked at, you know, Ephesians 2.10. For we're God's uh, handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, uh, works which God prepared in advance for us to do, kind of the theme of the series. We're going to look uh, deeper into the message in a moment, but first I wanted to kind of bounce back. I want to circle back to Vision Sunday one more time in the theme that I think really people have grabbed onto, and this is press on. Uh, how, how has that resonated in your heart and the heart of people who have you've heard you've heard comments from yeah first before we get there so for those of you who are newer to the activate podcast so i guess 150 episodes ago we were trying to figure out uh, you know because our our church has this discipleship bent i mean our our first our the first core belief that was ever stated at our church was was spiritual growth uh, when i went through a kind of a church planning laboratory uh, kind of a six-month church planting school with Mac Lake um, and what was the launch network at the time that became Engaged Churches, uh, a group of churches that were planting churches out out of Atlanta uh, and chose to embrace us in Kansas City. One of the first questions they had when they said, you know, we need to know the core beliefs or the values of your church was this. If you had a church of 10,000 people, but this wasn't happening, um, you would say the church was a total failure what would that? What would be the biggest thing? If you had a church of ten thousand people, but this wasn't happening, um, it would be a failure. What What would this be? And I said, spiritual growth. I mean, it, it was it was our first core belief that if we have a church where people aren't growing, we are failing. It is the most important thing to the heart of this church. So, one hundred fifty episodes ago, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we help people better in our small groups grow spiritually by digesting and discussing what they've learned so they can apply what they've learned so they can activate the truth they heard on Sunday morning when they go to work on Monday morning. And we said, Hey, what if we, what if we basically, what if, what if we did a mock small group that we recorded? Um, so, you know, Brandon would be the host or I'd be the host. We'd ask each other questions and we could have our small group leaders listen to it. Hey, listen to this. This is, this is what the small group should sound like if you're talking about the right things. These are the questions that should be asked. These, this is the heart of the message. If your small groups sound like this, we win. So basically it was a, it was kind of a trial run, a two person small group of this is what small groups should sound like. It was only going to be released to a couple dozen small group leaders to listen to so they could know if they were kind of hitting the bullseye of activating the Sunday morning message. And now it has turned, it has turned into 150 episodes later, something with hundreds of thousands of downloads. We have listeners across the world. A lot of people who don't, uh, who aren't able to make it to church on Sunday will listen to the, 
activate podcast before they'll even listen to the message. Uh, and a lot of that was Pastor Brandon, who was our spiritual growth director uh, for a year. A lot of it was just his brainchild, his passion, um, his heart of discipleship going into, hey, let's, I heard the message, now let's talk about the more important things in it. So Pastor Brandon, we miss you. Uh, for all of our listeners, thanks for Thanks for being a part of Pastor Ryan and I's two-person small group. That's that's what this is, just us trying to digest and discuss so that we can activate um, what we learn. Your question, how has Press On from our Vision Sunday resonated with my heart? My answer way more than I intended. Um, you know, you you both saw the entire, you, you saw the entire message before it was given and press on was not an L like, I don't know that those words were written in my notes. They were written in the scripture that I read, but there was, there was not this emphasis of press on going into Sunday morning. It became kind of a Holy spirit moment where at the end of my message, I just, I don't know. I just kept saying it. Yep. We're going to press on. We're going to press on. We're going to press on. And something happened. Uh, Monday I started getting text messages and I started getting emails from people about random things and they were all tagged with press on. Um, you know, one of the ladies at our church who every week sends a handwritten note to our first and second time guests. Thank you for visiting. Every week sends a, this is done. This week sent, all the cards are sent out, press on. Um, another person who emailed me, hey, I love the message, press on. Another couple text messages. And I thought, this has become, this has become an anthem for 2020. And we knew that the hearts of our people needed to be awakened from what I'm calling a COVID coma spiritually. It's like, it's, it's time to move forward. And this, these two words that the apostle Paul penned as his spirit in Philippians 3.10, that he's, he's going to press on Philippians 3.10. So about through about 3.14.15, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to forget everything that's happening that's slowing me down and I'm going to press on has become an anthem so much so that we're now creating shirts, wristbands, long sleeve t-shirts, short sleeve t-shirts, hats. Um, I said, man, put press on, on everything and anything that people can wear and let's, let's put it on their arms. Let's put it on their heads. Let's, let's, let's put it on their back. Just like Deuteronomy six says, hang that scripture everywhere where you can talk about it all day long. Let's brand our church with this anthem that we are pressing on, regardless of the virus, regardless of the election, regardless of schools, regardless of mask, we are pressing on. It has become an anthem for our church, and I hope it becomes a reality for our church as well, not just a statement. Uh, the energy was thick in the room. The Holy Spirit was there, and it was uh, a great moment. I, I heard the sermon three times, <laughs> and uh, I don't always do that. Sometimes I'm out doing other things, and and, and occasionally, if, I've, um, if I'm on the third time, I can think, oh boy, I've been... That one, I was energized all three times. So it was a great day. It was a great day was for a great our church, day. absolutely. Uh, one of the goals of your sermon this, uh, this week titled Knowing God was to distinguish between knowing about God and truly knowing God. As a dad, how has that shaped your prayers for your kids? And it's kind of a multi-part question. Do you, do you remember the age you were when, when you went from knowing about God to truly knowing God and and how did that transform your life? So a couple of there, but as a dad, how, how does that shape your prayers? Well, so it's interesting because part of me knowing and pursuing the heart of God more was becoming a dad. I mean, to, to be very honest with you, probably if you were to ask me, you know, when did I go from 
knowing about God to knowing God. So certainly part of knowing God is learning about God. But you can't stop there. Um, if the intention of knowing about God is not your relationship with God, um, then, then you're going to miss the mark. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, the scribes, they all knew about God. James says demons know about God. But if we know about God without, without desiring to know God and be in relationship with God, we miss the mark. So, you know, to know God, do you have to know about God? It helps, but it really is, it, it is the underlying reason for the search that helps to be in relationship, to love God, to know God more. Um, so, I, you know, I became a Christian at the age of six. Um, I think probably really began to fall in love with scripture in middle school, but didn't really, um, didn't really dig into the heart of God until God called me to ministry, uh, which was my junior year of college. And at that time, I began to devour scripture. Um, and you say, why did that help you know God rather than know about God? Um, the, the book that I'm, that I've read this week after, you know, being on the shelf for 20 years, reading again, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, phenomenal book. Um, he says, if you want to know about somebody, you should ask them, Hey, what do you want to tell me about yourself? And that's what reading scripture is. Reading scripture is you listening to what God wants to reveal about himself. So when God called me to ministry, I knew I'd have to know scripture. I didn't realize probably that knowing scripture would help me know God so deeply. So my study of scripture, my daily study of scripture was a big, big deal. Um, somebody asked me in the past two weeks, like, you know, Christian, when, um, when's the last time you haven't had a consistent quiet time? When's the last time you think you went a month without reading your Bible? And for me, it was my sophomore, it was my sophomore year in college. Um, as soon as God called me to ministry, I knew that my spiritual diet had to be the word of God in communication with God, like like every day. Um, so for me, like the last, yeah, the last 22, 23 years, yeah, I probably haven't gone a week without reading the Bible and praying. But it's because Jesus has become my best friend. I also met my wife around the same time, and I've not gone a week without talking to her or listening to her in the last 22. Because when, you, like when you're in a deep relationship with someone, you interact with them. So for me, knowing God rather than knowing about God came with really digging into Scripture and seeing the heart that he wanted me to know of him. The second biggest probably step in my seasons of knowing God was when I became a dad because I was raised um, I was raised in a great church, but a, but, a, but a faith tradition that believed you could lose your salvation. Um, a, a faith tradition that practiced a lot of holiness and a lot of righteousness, but through a lot of legalism and through a lot of fear. So I, I always, I always knew my own sinful heart, which means I always thought I served a disappointed God who was waiting to punish me by taking my salvation. It wasn't until I was in seminary that I better understood both the verses that had always been used to say, Hey, you can lose your salvation if you're not careful and understand the verses that say, listen, salvation is not your work. It's God's work through his son, through the Holy Spirit. Like he's going to be in charge of that. And here will be the fruit of knowing that you're walking with Christ in the fulfillment of your salvation. Um, but when I became a dad and I realized the love that I could have for a son, I think for the, I don't think I understood or comprehended unconditional love until I had kids. And I thought, holy cow, if I love my son this much and God loves me more, there's nothing that I could do as a child of God 
to remove myself from the love of God. Now, Scripture tells us that, but it was Scripture for me plus that experience that made the light bulb come on in my mind. So for me, a big step of going from knowing about God to knowing God was having my own kids and seeing how a dad loves his kids and understanding how God loved me. And then I think probably, I don't want to say my final step, but my most recent step, because I think, you know, J.I. Packer says, no, no one can say that they've known God, they've got it all figured out, but we can all say we're in the process of knowing God. Um, another big turn for me was reading Prodigal God by Pastor Timothy Keller um, and understanding a little bit about the elder brother and understanding that my whole life I'd really been taught to believe that I should and maybe could earn God's affection a little bit. Um, instead of just receiving it by grace, totally undeserved, totally unmerited. Um, and I think that that latest step in my knowing God um, has, has been another game changer for me. Now, to answer the first part of your question, um, how does that change the way I pray about my kids, knowing God the way that I know God and introducing my kids to God at an early age? I was praying for my son today who's in college I just continue to pray that the Spirit of God through the Word of God um, and the love of God wraps his heart and his life in his hands. To, to know God lets me have great comfort and confidence that God knows my kids, loves my kids, and, and to know that I can trust them in his hands. If I'll bring them to church, if I'll get them to youth camp, if I'll send them on mission trips, if I get them to youth group on Wednesday night. Like, I got to do my part as a parent, right? I don't as a parent say, well, God loves my kids, so I don't have to worry about it. I say, hey, God loves my kids, and here's the responsibility he's given me to dedicate them at an early age and to keep pushing them to the table so they can get to know him uh, more deeply and more intimately. But what I can know is if I keep pushing my kids to the cross, if they choose Jesus um, as they've been chosen by God to be in relationship with him, I I know that God is going to walk with them. I know that he's going to talk with them. I know that he's going to be with them. And I just pray the same light bulbs will come on for them that did for me, because when you can live in an intimate relationship with God, uh, you know, like the song we sang Sunday, there's nothing better in life. There's nothing better than living in an intimate relationship with God. So those were some big steps for me, going from knowing about God to knowing God, personal study of Scripture, uh, understanding unconditional love, um, and then then receiving that by grace, not works. Um, And as a, you know, as a dad, keep pushing my kids towards God and trust that the heart of God that's pursuing them, um, if it captures my kids, they'll they'll be okay in the hands of God. Our prayers have been, you know, very similar from the standpoint. I want I want my kids to authentically know God. I didn't grow up in church, and so I I didn't know much about Him at all. And then developed a you know a sold out relationship with Him. And I I'm hope our hope is the opposite doesn't happen. Our kids grow up knowing everything all about God, but then yes. not having the personal relationship with family. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely diligent in praying and, and, and trusting they're, they're going to have an, a true encounter with him. And, and, and I think most of them have, but um, still praying they get closer. Uh, number three, uh, next question I wanted to ask you, as a, as a teaching moment for our audience, can you, can you help us to understand the prison epistles you've been re- referencing and the posture, the spirit and direction of them? Yeah, so the Apostle Paul had, uh, in the book of Acts, taken two missionary journeys that uh, that we're aware of, that we know. He had started churches. He had trained up leaders. He turned over these churches to them. He'd gone back to visit them again. He'd written further letters to kind of correct some things that were going on. 
And then as, as he was getting ready to go out again, he ends up nearly being killed in Jerusalem. He spends a few years in prison in Caesarea, Caesarea, what they call it in, uh, in Israel. Um, and then rather than go back to Jerusalem and face a mob that will kill him, he, he appeals to Caesar and he ends up spending a couple of years in prison in Rome where Acts 28 says he was able to receive, um, friends and, and he would write and ask his friends, send, send me parchments, documents. I want to write some letters, want to interact with the church. And when you, when you read Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon, these are the four letters we know he wrote from prison in Rome. The, the overriding theme of those letters is Paul saying, I'm writing to you because I'm praying for you. And my prayer is that you will know God deeply that you will know and experience God at a deeper level and and that you will experience and be impactful for God at a deeper level. Um, and I talked about, you know, the, the fear that a pastor has, you know, without rehashing everything, you know, this quarantine season, if you would say, what is your greatest fear as a pastor during quarantine? It's not that the church will stop giving offerings. It's not that the church will close down. It's not that we won't be able to pay our bills it's it's not that people will get sick and die. Um, it is, as a shepherd, you you wonder if people are staying close to Jesus. That's your fear, because you can't see them, you can't talk to them, you can't look them in the eye, you can't shake their hand, you can't put their arm around them. When, you, when you're used to seeing people every week and being able to just have a quick spiritual checkup to know that, um, like, we're, you know, we're on the same journey Right. I mean, when you think about Jesus being left behind at the temple, um, you know, you think of that first rest area that Mary and Joseph got to when they thought, oh, shoot, he's not here anymore. Um, Sunday is a rest area on our spiritual journey where we all stretch our legs, look around and say, OK, everyone's still good to go. All the cars in the caravan. Everybody's all right. All right, let's go to the next one. And then they, like that's that's how kind of that's how kind of church assimilation works every Sunday you have these benchmarks where you see each other. Then you go 13 weeks without that. And you you don't wonder where people are physically. You wonder where people are spiritually. And as a pastor, not in a spirit of judging them, but in a spirit of worrying about them, the Apostle Paul said, I'm writing to you. And man, I'm praying that you that you know God enough to love him and that you love him enough to walk with him. Because if you reverse engineer that, the Apostle Paul saying, now that I'm locked up in prison... Um, man, if you don't love God, if you don't know God deeply and love him intimately, you might not walk with him at all. And what statistics are telling us is that 30% of the people that used to be on our pilgrimage with us have not attended or watched church one time since the quarantine happened. They are stuck in Jerusalem. And I pray they're at the temple interacting with scripture and asking and answering questions. I pray they're stuck in a place where the presence of God and the word of God and the people of God are, but I can't know that for sure. So this, the spirit of the prison epistles is, I'm concerned about you. If I know that you know God and that you love God, I'll be confident that you're walking with God. And like John would say um, in his in his letters in first, second, third John, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Like, listen, if I know you're walking with God, I don't, I'm good. That's all I need to know. But if I'm not sure that you're walking with God, the only way you would not walk with God is if you didn't love Jesus. The only way you didn't love Jesus is if you don't know him intimately. So I'm worried at this point that maybe you don't know enough about God to walk with God 
to follow God even through this difficult season. That's the spirit of the prison epistles. I think, like we said, the Bible's not, because the Bible is a timeless book, the Bible's always a timely book. I think lots of pastors have the spirit of the prison epistles right now. They are praying that their people, who they're unsure where they are, they're praying regardless of where they are physically, that spiritually they're staying real close to Jesus because they love him, because they know him. And that was the whole purpose of this message. You got to know him to love him, because if you love him, you'll walk with him. And that's the whole point of everything that we've been called to do, help people walk with Jesus um, and bring other people to walk with Jesus too. Make disciples who make disciples. Thanks for helping us have a, a better understanding of that. It's, they've been some of my favorite books as I've read. Um, th- that may be a section I've read more than any in any other part of the Bible. Great books. Yeah, great books. Great books. Um, there, there's often much talk in our country about church growth, uh, how to grow the size of a church. And in your sermon, you talk about this not being our focus. It's it's not. That our focus is to grow the people and then God grows the church. Can you kind of unpack the importance we've placed on that and what we strive to do to grow the people? Well, I'll, I'll start with you. I'll, I'll give myself a fact check to make sure that I'm not glamorizing this in my own mind. You've sat in nine years where the staff meetings at Journey. Have we ever had a s- staff meeting on how to grow the church and make it bigger? Uh, no. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Jesus in Matthew sixteen eighteen said, I will build the church. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, he said, you build the people. Um, so our, what, what we think is if we can help grow people spiritually, spiritual people reach lost people. If we, if we grow people spiritually, the church will grow, not because we're trying to grow the church, but because we are growing people. So not all the time, but often growing churches are a sign of growing people mm-hmm. because growing people are transformed people. They stand out. When they stand out, they have an opportunity to testify. When they testify, they have an opportunity to bring and reach. Now, there there are right now lots of, you know, ch- churches that are more enamored with the crowd than, than the Christian. Um, and there are ways to draw big crowds and keep them around for a while. That's not really what we're about, um, obviously. Look around at the size of our building. Clearly, we're not even smart enough to think about church growth until it's too late. Um, and then that creates some issues for us. But we are, we are constantly concerned with how do, how do we grow people? We know if we will focus on doing our job that God always focuses on doing his job. He said he'll build the church. He told us to build people. So we're trying to lean into build people. And where we are at our church getting ready to celebrate our nine year anniversary is realizing that we have to have a little, a little more specific pathway process system to get people into our discipleship pipeline from, Hey, I visited your church for the first time to now I want to be a, disciple who makes disciples and i want to be on mission with the church um you know we're using a process called growth track that will that will help people join our church which means join our mission not join our organization but join the call of god that he has for us um in that we teach them not only the importance of knowing god but how at our church we help people know god we talk to them about being transformed and how at our church we believe transformation works through our groups. We talk to them about discovering their purpose, how important it is to understand who God created them to be, what God created them to do. And then we show them where they can leverage that and make a difference. Um, in the second class, the second step of our growth track, um, we talk to people about discovering their design. We give a few assessments to help people understand who God has created them to be, what God's created them to do, where they should be serving. The third step, we talk to them about discovering their leadership, which for us means influence. How do you take the Christianity in your soul and have influence with it. 
And then in the last class, we talked to him about taking that influence of leadership, those gifts, and applying them at Journey. So really, class one and four are about Journey. Class two and three are about the kingdom of God in your own life. Even if you never plan on becoming a long-term part of our church, if you go through this growth track process, you're going to be better at home, better at work, better in your family, better with friendships. You'll be better equipped to do what God has called you to do because this is a great start, a great few warm-up laps on your discipleship or anyone's discipleship pathway. And then from here, you can spring out into our Disciples Made process. Eventually, you'll be able to take some of the classes in our Bible Institute. Uh, This fall, Systematic Theology is going to be taught as one of our Bible classes. Next winter, we'll offer apologetics again. I mean, there's lots of different directions you can go from Celebrate Recovery to Grief um, Share to Divorce Care to Financial Peace University. I mean, wherever you have a spiritual need in life that you feel like God's saying, let's take care of that one. We believe that we have that for you, but that the growth track starts that process and puts you into those classes on the right first step of your journey. Yeah, he um, he mentioned, if you're listening on the podcast here, a couple of things I want to highlight. Care groups, if you're listening and you know someone who needs care, he mentioned those Celebrate Recovery, Grief Share, uh, Financial Peace University, Divorce Care. Those start September 14th. So if you're listening, we'd love to have you come and be ministered to. There is child care available. We'd love for you to do that. And then if you'd like to get on this growth track, how we can equip you to really figure out how God's called you. Uh, if you're listening, you can text Journey Growth uh, to the number you hear us from time to time, say 474747. You'll get an easy sign up that you can sign up for this. We're going to be doing it every Sunday after church in September. So really excited about that. And I think it helps people show them we, we really do care about their spiritual growth. It's not lip service. We really do care. Last question, Pastor Christian. If we, if people who call themselves Christians are not careful, they can have the attitude, you know, hey, I'm a Christian because I prayed with a pastor, so I'm good to go for the rest of my life. This question has nothing to do with eternal security, but is more about measuring how close we are in we are in relationship to Jesus. So the question is, why should people be more concerned about the measure of their closeness with Jesus now than just having a Savior who will get them into heaven later? Okay, so a couple ways to look at this question. First is through the lens of relationship, right? I mean, just let's just look at the through the lens of relationship and, and, having, and having intimacy in relationship. Um, John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that we might know the only begotten Son of God. So eternal life begins at this knowledge, this understanding, this relationship with Jesus. Can you imagine um, the time you spent with Heather, right, at K-State, falling in love, getting to the point of proposing to her, and, and getting down on a knee and saying, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And you say, that is so awesome. I'll see you after I die. Like, that, that, that is the picture of a Christian who says, Jesus, will you enter my life and be closer to me than any human being could ever be? Um, would, would you, I accept the invitation to be with you. Will you accept the invitation to be with me? And Jesus said, yes. And you think, yes, I'll see you in heaven. Like that is not a relationship. And Christianity is not an agreement. Christianity is not an understanding. Christianity is a relationship. It's a commitment to a relationship, to follow Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to become one with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus. There are lots of Christians who are really, really good with the idea 
of being forgiven of their sins so they can go to heaven. There, 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 let me say it again. Let me rephrase it so I don't say it wrong. There are lots of people. There are lots of people who are good with the idea of being forgiven of their sins so they can one day go to heaven when they die. There are very few people who are willing to let God be in charge of every part and aspect of their life. One of those groups are authentic Christians and one of them are not. Jesus said in Matthew 7, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, like then we pray that prayer, then we go to church, then we, then we do a little ministry and God's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. You never knew me. I never knew you. To this other group who has committed to turn their whole life over to God, beginning with their soul so they can understand who God is and love him better. That group one day is going to be invited into the eternal wedding feast um, of God. So I think it's important that we understand Christianity is more than an agreement, more than a decision. It begins there, but more than an agreement, more than a decision, more than a raised hand, more than a checkbox, even more than a baptism. It is a lifelong, moment-by-moment, day-by-day walk with Jesus. Um, so I, I, I would say heaven does not begin when you die. Hell does not begin when you die. I believe heaven and hell right now. I believe there are bits of heaven on earth, and I believe there are bits of hell on earth. And anytime we walk with Jesus through anything, we are experiencing the peace of heaven that God wants us to have on earth. Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't pray, get me through this place on earth so one day I can be with you. Jesus said, no, pray that your current circumstances right now are overtaken so much by the Spirit of God that it feels like the kingdom of God is with you on earth just like it would be in heaven. A big part of that is walking close enough with God to know him, but not just in study, in life, in meditation. Um, remember, remember what J.I. Packer said. I quoted him at the end of this message. Um, there are Bible readers and sermon hearers who know more about God because they let the Holy Spirit let it sink into their heart and transform them, then there are scholars who have studied it their whole life, which is their head, right? So there are people who know Greek and Hebrew and and can tell you everything you need to know about the Bible who know God less than people who just read their Bible, listen to sermons, and let the Holy Spirit do the work of transformation. Like we said Sunday, the thief on the cross uh, who didn't know an ounce of theology knew Jesus more intimately than Martin Luther and John Calvin and those who studied theology their entire life because he beheld his glory in an instant. And if we could open our eyes and our hearts enough to behold the glory of Jesus in our life, that intimate experiential knowledge would change. It would change everything about us. It would bring heaven to earth as we walk with God on the difficult days of this journey like we have in 2020. Some of you need to rewind this part because this is where you're at. Like there's some... I don't know who you are, and, and only the Lord does, but you know you've maybe been that first group who maybe prayed a prayer at some point, and, and you're hoping for heaven one day because of that prayer, but you know you've not given any part of your life really to Him. Your heart is not His, and you need to maybe pull over and have a, a prayer and say, from here on out, my whole life is yours. My whole heart is yours. And, and man, I know we would rejoice in that, and I know the Lord would rejoice in that as well. Um, Pastor Christian, thanks. Um, always great um, information from the heart. I know you're as passionate about learning this stuff, um, but you're also as passionate about it impacting people's hearts, and that's why we call it Activate. Um, thank you for listening today uh, from around the country, around the world. Uh, you can uh, tune in on Sunday, either remotely from uh, 
around the world, either Facebook Live, YouTube, JCI app, or our website, takethejourney.cc. We'd love to see you in person. Uh, we've got live services going on. We'd love to see you at either 8, 9.30, or 11. If you've made a decision for Christ and you want to let us know about it or you've got a question, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to having you catch us next time on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.